everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Connor, and we are going to talk about Star Trek The Next Generation Season 3, Episode 11. It is called The Hunted. So, full spoilers for the episode, as always. So, we last time, you know, we looked ahead and we saw that there were... This was going to be about a planet that was trying to get into the Federation and Picard and the Enterprise were going to be here to do a report and sort of, you know, essentially assess if they were eligible or not. And... Everything's going well. In fact, uh, Zephram Cochran's in this episode, uh, not playing Zephram Cochran, uh, which really threw me uh, for a loop. So, I'm, I'm talking about James Cornwell, in case you're confused. Uh, he, he's uh, Zephram Cochran in Star Trek First Contact. So, uh, we, we're seeing him here as a different role. Uh, I, I don't know if he plays more than roles than this, or if it's just this one, then Zephram Cochran, but that's... <laughs> I mean, it, it's hard to say. We'll find out. <laughs> that was the first thing that threw me. Anyway, so yeah, so these are uh, Agnosians that they're trying to get into the Federation, uh, but there's a prisoner escapes from one of their off-world prisons and starts, you know, going haywire with the Enterprise. Uh, I actually kind of liked how because Picard and Riker are down on the planet. Uh, sort of talking to the, the the prime minister of this planet and uh, data on the enterprises. You know, many a time we've seen Picard say to data, "You've got the you know, you've got the coin, you've got the bridge, whatever." Uh, and it's sort of we know that data has been left in charge because he's like the, the third highest ranking officer on the ship. That's maybe the first time that at least that I remember where it is just data in the captain's chair and he's been left to handle it. And it's only like one one long scene essentially, but you know he's there and he's giving orders to Worf. Uh, Worf's obviously still doing these things where he's doing the readings and all that and uh, Data's... It didn't stand out to me as being the first time. Maybe that's just because though I've, you know, we've heard him say, yo, right, Data, you've got it so many times that I assumed we'd seen it before. Yeah, maybe it's happened once or twice, but it's not something we've seen much of because it, it stuck out to me that uh, we, we had Data in this position where he's actually... Cause, uh, do you know what it was? It was Worf calling him Sir. You know, Data said, you know, do this, and he's like, yes, right away, sir, or something like that, he says, and I'm like, oh, that's weird, I'm not used to, and it makes sense in the context, but I don't think I'd seen it before. But no, I, I can't think of any specific example of, of it before this, but as I said, maybe my brain's just filling in the fact that I know he does this on a semi-regular basis, so I, my brain's just accepted that it, it's maybe seen this already even though it hasn't yeah so basically uh they have some trouble here the, a, a lot of this kind of is is weird to them whoever's doing this is a, a, a great tactical knowledge he sort of tricks them with alternate sensors the ships in like multiple parts and there's an escape pod and it really confuses them and more so the fact that they don't get any life readings on multiple parts of the ship they don't understand what's going on but eventually uh, you know, when Picard and that come up, because some of this happens before the title sequence, and it kind of ends in the cliffhanger of like, because because Data's like, uh, he's eluded the Enterprise, sir, and he's like, eluded the Enterprise, <laughs> can't happen, and it goes to the opening titles. It comes back, Picard and Riker beam up, so Picard's given the orders now, and eventually Picard's like, look, just anything big enough on that escape pod that could be at the size of a human, beam them, right? Just beam that thing. It doesn't matter it's if it's got light beams or not pretty solid plan uh and sure enough it, they beam this dude uh into the into the uh the transporter room uh let me just get his name it was uh danar danar he uh they beam him in and he immediately he's, he's kind of like he just immediately starts fighting everyone around him there's just a couple of security guys there uh they're getting hit but i noticed this episode actually that some of the the, the background characters have still got the season one uniforms uh oh really i didn't notice uh, i was i mean i was too busy just watching the 
I, I don't the know. If... spectacle of the, <laughs> the the always amazing fight sequences. Oh sure, uh, it wasn't even the scene though. It was later on, and the reason why I noticed it is because they were with Worf, and Worf's got the you know the, he's he's had yeah. since the start of the season he's the new version. But the two guys that he was with had the the onesies, and I was like, oh, they're saving money. They're still using just lying around in in, yeah. in storage for the extras. <laughs> yeah, uh, makes sense. I wonder if that'll probably just transition over time as they slowly replace them. But at least right now, that some of the background characters are still given the onesies. It makes sense, right? You know, oh, they've got them all to spare lying around. You might as well use them. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like... They're not, like, visually that different. I mean, yes, the actual apparel they're wearing is different, but the design's close enough that, you know, you could have just not noticed that you didn't. No, and honestly, it's it's plausible to me in, in, in a real-world context here that in the show that not everyone has the new uniforms yet because... When, when, anywhere mm. I've ever worked, when they rolled out a new uniform, no one gets it all at once. It's okay. The the most important, you know, managers get it first, whatever, and then after that, it's as you need it replaced, we'll replace it. You know, we won't just give everyone it at once because there's no need. It, it's it's good enough. Yeah. So they've got him captive, and there's a you know a little bit of uh, un and ein, but ultimately, what this episode comes down to is that he is a genetically engineered soldier. Uh, who this, this planet create? Because that's because the, the first thing we hear about this planet is that they're against any type of violence. They want to be pacifists. They want to have everything uh, sorted, uh, you know, diplomatically. And we find out, you know, he was altered. Uh, him and the, the other soldiers were altered for battle uh, to the point where not only did they get increased strength and like you know tactics and things like that, but they also had kind of like a it was like a fighting spirit almost where if, if they were challenged if, if anyone ever threatened them they would just go into kill mode right uh, and no one you know stopped to think that may be dangerous once they come back uh, but sure enough when they came back to the planet they couldn't integrate into society because anytime someone you know had a minor tiff with them they went into kill mode <laughs> because that's how they worked so they were trained and I don't even tra- trained is not even the right word conditioned is, is a better word yeah um, that's more appropriate or even programmed, uh, I think even more than that. But they, uh, yeah, so so they were sent to this prison instead. And as, as you know, Daenar admits, uh, the dude, he's like, yeah, this is quite a nice prison. Like, they give us all, all the, the, the most, you know, comfortable homes to live in, lifestyles they can, but we still can't leave. And it's still a prison. Uh, something Picard himself, you know, points out. It doesn't matter how nice it is, a prison's still a prison. Uh, so... And I was getting, I was, I was having warning signs at this point in the episode a little bit, uh, not because conceptually I had a problem with anything, but just in the way that it was kind of, it was Troy who kind of, it was like she was taking a liking to him. I was like, oh, don't tell me this is not another romance. No, don't do this yeah, to she's, me. She's the first who goes to visit him uh, when they've got him locked up in the cell after they've restrained him, and she's like, you, you're, you're not angry. You're not a fighter. You, you're quite a peaceful person. What's going on here? Yeah, uh, so the first half of the episode, obviously the ship dodging stuff and all the little tricks are, are fun for the most part. Uh, I was a little concerned after that when it was sort of doing the exposition. However, I have to say that the back half of this episode did a lot to really elevate this one from what it was before because the act, so it essentially breaks out. He's supposed to get beamed over uh, despite the fact that once Picard and the rest find out about this, you know, what's happened to him and like, oh, that's a bit shady obviously this is not right what they've done to him this is you know they're, they're, he's kind of a victim more than anything else mm-hmm. uh he tries to sort of raise that with the prime minister and the person no 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 like you know we'll take care of this internally uh which you know picard kind of scoffs about and whatever but the, he escapes before they beam him back over to their ship 
he escapes and he goes around the Enterprise. And I thought this section of the episode was actually a lot of fun because it was him using the same tactics again. He kept trying to like, and you know, in data because this had already happened earlier in the episode with the ships, he's like, no, his tactic is to distract us, it is to circumvent us, to make us think that he's doing one thing when he's actually doing the other. And it's like, he knows we, like, we, we can't detect him. He His body does not have life signs. You know, it was, it was changed to do that. And yet he's leaving as a trail. So, you know, we see him doing various things around the ship, leaving things in places, phases in places. Uh, you know, he's, he's doing all these little things. And I think the most fun element of it is that ultimately when he is kind of caught, or even though ultimately he's got a plan to get out of it, it's because Worf actually loses his own tactic against him and Worf pretends that he's going somewhere and says, oh, okay, you two go and search this area. I'm going to go and stand guard over in this, you know, missile dock or whatever. And we find out that he's actually, you know, he's underneath the the crates or whatever listening and he sneaks out and then as soon as he gets out Worf says like ah I've got you uh, you're very cunning you must have Klingon blood in you he's, he's impressed but I appreciate that I appreciate that Worf uh, like it was a good character bit for Worf I think because Worf's always meant to be this you know combatant you know the Klingon blood's meant to, he's meant to think like this so having him kind of rise to the challenge and sort of like outwit him a little bit even though he does have like a, another distraction in place he's, he's got the phaser that he's overcharged to you know, blow up elsewhere, but yeah, yeah, no, it, it makes sense. It's it's showing that again, Wolf isn't just you know, it's it's not Klingon on you know, brute strength. It's he's he's got military training. He is yeah. tactically smart as well. Yeah, so I actually I thought that's it's because you know, I mean, I'm, I've kind of glossed over a lot of the build of it because. I think my favorite part of it though, really, is just it kept cutting back to the bridge, and it was Picard, Riker, Data. Basically figuring out, okay, well, he must be going here. So now that we know where he's going. He's trying to hack into here. So he must be going there. There was a lot of kind of like... Second guessing. Yeah, second guessing and trying to predict where he was going. And that part was really fun because they set him up to be this formidable foe in, in this type of situation where he's stealthily sneaking around. So it felt like, you know, well, a little expositionary in the first half, it kind of it felt like it was all paying off in this sequence where I really got kind of the the fun of like him being this good and the crew trying to outwit him and just coming up a little bit short. But maybe all you know, Warf almost gets there, and you kind of root for Warf a little bit. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of like it's like some sort of like eighties action movie, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. It goes into eighties action, but I think they set up how good he is at this enough that it it feels right in the scenes. It doesn't feel. Oh yeah, I'm not uh, like saying that like, you know to cheapen it. It's just you know it, it feels like they were they had that kind of spirit and style in mind, and yeah. we we can get that into to fifteen minutes of an episode. Yeah, and, so, and they did. Yeah, so I dug that. Uh, and then, you know, I thought it was maybe going to slow down again after that, you know, once uh, they have to go back down to the planet and talk to the Prime Minister and they're debating about, you know, like, you shouldn't have done this to them. Like, you know, he's got some sort of plan. We don't know what he's doing. He's probably gearing up to do something. Uh, you know, what's going on? Because, you know, that's because he does eventually escape. He 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 powers the transporter in the cargo area with a phaser <laughs> to then transport onto the, the, the ship that was going to take him. But he's got a phaser on them. So, the other day, so he's got them hostage, essentially. And he, you know, gallows his fellow soldiers and shows up at the ending, you know, in, in this room with all the, you know, the, the Prime Minister and all of his, uh, you know, delegates and Picard's there. And I actually, the this, this standoff is quite interesting because Picard's like, no, 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 don't raise your guns. If you provoke them in any way, they will go into kill mode. And they know that, but they can't help it. So just don't threaten them. Put your put your guns down, put your phasers down, and just, like, talk it out. And I think, I like that, that, that kind of twist on the premise 
but I think what elevates this uh, above anything else for me, because even up until this point, I was okay. That that middle section on the ship was really fun. So this it episode, this episode's a pretty solid episode just for being fun. But I think the ending actually kind of elevates it just a little bit more as well, because I kind of love that the solution to this is for Picard to just go, "No, nah, we're good. We'll leave." <laughs> <laughs> like it's perfect. He because because you know he's like because uh, Zephyr Cochran, <laughs> the Prime Minister. He's like it's actually Zephyr Cochran. I know that, but the actor played him too, right? Just. Work, work with your folks, with right? He's like, no, Picard, you have to do something. Help us, you know, help us with this dispute. The, the great kills is like, no, you just have to make a choice. We've got all we need for a report. We're going to go. Uh, so it's up to you. As you said, this is an internal matter. So you have to develop your society on alone. And I, I love the line of dialogue here. He says, and I've got a feeling that in the next few minutes, it's going to develop significantly. <laughs> <laughs> i like that a lot yeah there's, it, there's a lot of little 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 bits at the end here that i really liked um there was one of the lines where um picard and i think it was troy were there explaining that hey wh why don't you you know reverse what you did to them and they're like oh well we we can't we knew we knew we couldn't really anyway and they're like well i mean we think we could you, you know you just need to give it a, a real good try and they're like well i don't know but what if we need them again and I thought that that was really telling, given that you know the, the whole thing at the start when they're here to be assessed to join the Federation, and it's like, no, we're, we're super peaceful. It's all diplomacy for, for all of us. We, we we don't need fight, no, nothing. And then by the end, it's like, but what if there's a war? Yeah, we we need something in place. So there's a hypocrisy, there, of course, which which is you know right there in your face. But I I think. I, you know, it's, I went through the motions with this episode where I thought, oh, it seems okay to, oh, this is actually really fun, to, oh, that is actually a really cool little dramatic point at the end. And I think the idea that we have a situation, because so often the Enterprise is called in to deal with a dispute between two factions or something, or a crisis on a planet. And you know, obviously, a lot of the time, because they have asked for help, so the Enterprise goes in to help them. Uh, this was almost this isn't quite the prime directive, because this society has, you know, reached the level where they're on the, in space, you know, uh, level with everyone else. They're, they're in the intergalactic community. They're they're talking about the Federation. They, they know of its existence. They're they're wanting to intermingle. But it kind of harking back to the Prime Directive a little bit when Picard's like, "No, this is for you guys to sort out. You have to decide what society you want." I can tell you right now that because of this, you're. I mean, he doesn't say this out loud, but he basically implies like you're not Federation material because of this right here. Uh, you know, once you've sorted all this out, maybe in a few years, if you want to re you know reapply. I'm sure we'll be back to, you know, have a look and see how things are going on. Uh, and I, I thought that was interesting. I, just, I love that this was solved by Picard because this is the thing. If if it was a situation where, like, no, like some bad guys or the, the villainous side are, are definitely going to gun down a bunch of people, like, he wouldn't be able to leave. But this thing doesn't have to escalate because he knows that as long as they don't actually try and fight, there'll be no actual conflict. He can leave yeah, I... and just let it play out. The only way they lose and potentially die is if they threaten them in the first place. Yes, they, they have to choose, and they know what they're doing by choosing to do that. So all they have to on do is... Not... On their own heads be it, right? Yeah, it's their choice. Like They can save themselves. This is a simple case of Picard going, they can save themselves. And, you know, re very reasonably as well. Easily, might we add. Oh, yeah. So uh, I kind of loved that. I loved the ending of this episode. Yeah, I, I really like it. I, I feel like there's been a, a few episodes recently where it's had like a, a really interesting ending in the in the sense that it does something that's not just the standard. Mm. Here's the here's the problem fixed. Uh, I, I appreciate that. Uh, 
I, I do think this episode, the first 20 minutes or so is a bit, you know, okay, the first like five minutes before the title sequence is good, but then you've got maybe 15 to 20 minutes, which is a bit average. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's when you know, Data comes to speak to him, they bond a little bit because he's also programmed, there's that, and then obviously stuff with Troy sort of try to convince the others. That yeah. stuff's like, obviously all the information we get is important because it's what makes the back half sing, but it is, is le- inherently less exciting or it's not, engaging. It's not particularly enjoyable to watch. It's fine. It's not like outrageously bad or anything, or it's not, but it's, you're just kind of watching it, waiting for something to happen. And, and it does happen. And when it does happen, it's good. Yeah, because I, I think I was of the mind during that section. I was thinking, you know, this could easily go downhill and be a crummy episode if it doesn't pick up at any yeah. point. But no, it does. Like, it absolutely does. You know, action on Shrek isn't typically a strong suit. And I feel like the action of that middle section was really strong. I think it's because it wasn't like a lot of fight choreography, right? Because that's where it tends to really follow. It was true. It was actually a very like tactical game of cat and mouse essentially that it was playing for these fight sequences and what's one of the best episodes of the original series a submarine episode yeah all right uh the enemy it's not below because below plays submarine but it was something <laughs> i know the submarine episode you're about. yeah some... we, we praised that really highly mm. enemy something something enemy damn it yeah. oh well do you know what as well uh, near the start of this episode it answered a question that that i posed a couple episodes ago about uh, phases mm. on stun settings, um, um, you know whether or not they stun instantly or not, and and it seems that there was a delay. There was, a, yeah, there was a debate because of uh, Raker. This was like just two episodes ago. Raker with the the love interest when he had to kill her. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you know why did he just not stun her and. Uh, I, I did actually. I did have one question this episode though, because when Raker and that, because you know, because you know, uh, is like running wild on all security down at the transport. You know, O'Brien's trying to jump in. He's he he gets you know stunned in the the, the shoulder with the phaser, um, and you know Raker comes in and like you know grabs in and, and Raker yells out, you know, set phasers to full stun, and I'm like. Wait, why didn't these other assholes, like, immediately, after the first, you know, because they try to stun him a couple of times, right? And he just kind of takes it as if, as if it's, like, yeah. nothing to him. I'm like, why don't you turn it up then? If, if, if there's, like, three settings of stun, go right up to three, you bastards. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if it's, like, a like a, a call they're not authorised to make. Uh, maybe, like, yeah. Unless told by a superior officer, they have to stay on the minimum setting. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe that's the obvious explanation. But when Riker yelled that, I'm like, "Why didn't you just do that before?" That clearly needs that, it. <laughs> that was actually such a weird moment as well for me. Um, I'm going to nitpick at this here. Go on. In that, you know, Riker's got him pinned down by the arms. Wolf's on top of him. And, you know, he's like, "Right, phases on on maximum stun." And then, and then they don't actually do it. We just sit there for another twenty seconds of them talking, and then we <laughs> cut to he's in the the cell. I'm like, at least stun him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah nah so i mean it's not it's, it's not a perfect episode like we say obviously there's a, a clear sort of weaker chunk of it uh yeah. but the weaker chunk is the setup uh and is relatively a small section once you take in account the whole episode when, once you have everything in play it's actually not that long a section but yeah it's about 15 minutes or so i think out of the 45, 45. yeah so you know uh, honestly really fun time uh, I think, and I think the ending, you know, the idea of Picard just letting, leaving them be and saying, no, you have to do this yourselves, we're just going. And ha- having, like, you know, <laughs> having the Prime Minister sort of stare in disbelief and go, oh, you're just going to leave us? <laughs> like, you, can't, you can't fix this for us? Like, no, you have to do it yourself. 
And of course, I mean, the only downside to the whole thing is that uh, DNR kind of has this little stare at Troy as they're leaving. Uh, and Troy kind of smells at him and I'm like, okay, I get it, all right. Yeah, that was that was a bit cheesy. Yeah, okay. I get it, I get it. You know what, Troy, don't don't fall for it, right? Raker's clearly your angel. This guy may have been your Riley. You know, he's got the super soldier thing going, going for him. But Riley was, was you know... He was a dead Somehow end. Somehow less interesting than this guy. <laughs> um, Fight me. I don't know if Riley, from a, a fun point of view, ever had the, the section on the, you know from this episode where you know he's running around the ship. I don't know if Riley ever had a fun scene like that. I will say, in terms of character, this character isn't really the interesting thing about him, though. It's more kind of the, the diplomatic or the, the, the moral... I, uh questions Here's around the thing. them if you tell me okay each of these characters is going to be in the next episode of a show as those characters right i'm gonna pick this one i feel like i've got more chance of getting something entertaining out of my episode i mean riley well not a good or well not a great character right uh he was in a lot of good episodes of buffy let's not let's not no, mix no, this up he was in good episodes but he was never doing anything good in those episodes. Yeah, but this isn't fair. Like, if, if this guy had been in like, the last couple of seasons of Trek, I would argue Riley had been in more good episodes of Buffy than this guy would have been in good episodes of Trek. It, it just, he happens to only be in one episode. Uh, no, but this isn't about episodes being good or not. It's about the impact the character has on said episodes. <sighs> this character makes this episode good, whereas Riley is, is in those episodes. Th- those episodes are good in spite of him. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. I mean, I'm not really sticking up for Riley here. I'm just, I'm more just really nitpicking at your argument because you're doing this just to try and annoy me. So I'd rather it be thought out than just a, a snap thing to uh, throw you, you out pushed, there. You, you pushed, and I feel like I defended pretty solidly there. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, he's like one of like what maybe two or three Buffy characters over seven, seven seasons you could even argue are less interesting than this guy. But I'll give you Riley. I could probably think of more characters if I could remember any of their names, but they're really uninteresting. <laughs> so I'll get back to you. Hey, the cheese man from uh, Restless is not going to... Like, he's better than this dude. He wears the cheese. The cheese does not wear him. I've only saw the episode, though. Uh, I, I think you know, we've had a couple of, couple of solid ones uh, in a row here uh, for different reasons. Yeah, I don't think this was as good as last time, so... I, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think that's fair. Uh, but still, really solid though. I, I I think this season, even though it's had a couple of stinkers, although notably they've been tied to romance plots, uh, I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I think a lot of the general episodes have definitely upped their game. Where the, you know they'll maybe start off with a premise that doesn't seem that interesting on its own, but then by the time it gets to the end of the episode, you're like, oh, they did something interesting. They did some a twist on it. It, it gave us a, a unique conclusion to it, kind of like we were saying earlier. So. Uh, I think a lot of the season three episodes have felt that way, and I think you can see kind of the improvement uh, there. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That is the hunted. Uh, so let's look at next time, uh, next episode of next gen episode twelve. It is called the High Ground. No Star Wars jokes. I am. I am out right now. I am banning all potential Star Wars jokes right now. I cannot make any firm promises. I will tell you now. It entirely depends on the amount of alcohol I have ingested before we do that episode. 
And also the quality of the episode. If it's a good episode, if it's a properly good episode, there'll be less of those jokes. Here's the description. While visiting a planet under civil war, Dr. Crusher is taken hostage by an opposing faction of the planet's ruling government. This sounds like a mm. pretty standard style. Yeah, I have to see what they do with it. Episode, yeah, I have to see. Um, what's this uniform I'm seeing in this image, though? I don't know. Interesting. It must be, it must be that planet's uh, like military uniform, but it just it stuck out to me because it was like, oh, that's the sort of uniform you'd get on like, a different sci-fi show. Well, you know, if, you know. So, I don't know. Interesting. It just stuck out to me uh, at a glance. Anyway, uh, so yeah, go. That is uh, that has been episode eleven of Next Gen season three. Let us know what you thought of this one in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. Get us on the Twitters for mail underscore fuds for channel updates. If you want to support the show and the channel and everything we do here, you can head over to patreon.com slash TV and support us for as little as one dollar per month and get some bonuses for your trouble, including an exclusive already cancelled, which we just started on six feet under. Uh, the show itself was voted for by our patrons, but uh, just for the one dollar tier and up, you get a bonus already cancelled. Uh, as Connor tries to not die from hiccups uh, but you can go and have a look at that uh, and then the higher tiers get you other things so go and have a look see if you're interested uh, but that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching Star Trek guys and remember that when it comes to the ladies Wesley Crusher is in complete control